Hey there, everybody. Hello, and welcome to Murder Happy Hour with Amber and Morgan. What's up? What's happening? Did you guys like the cool two-parter? Was that your jam? I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. I uh, and you know what? We had a ton of listens on the on the first episode, like right away. Yeah, I've so just actually was- looked at that right now. What our first segment has, and it's doing pretty good. I know. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I think it's such a, which, like, it's totally funny. When we did the recording for that case, we were like, oh, yeah, something should be coming out about his appeal sometime soon. Literally the next day. (laughs) I was like, what? Yeah. So maybe we should give a quick, just, like, few, just 30-second update for everybody. Yeah, we can do that. So Scott's actual conviction was not overturned. His death row or death penalties conviction was overturned, which is interesting. He is the 38th person on California's death row since 1998 to have their sentence reversed. That's why. That's interesting. Which California has a pile of death penalty cases well it's Um, funny because when we're doing that case and we're talking about california in my head i was thinking like man a lot of the murders that we talk about happen in california yeah but anyway so the reason why scott's penalty was able to be overturned was because the judge in the initial trial excluded 13 potential jurors so people that were like on you know you get your letter in the mail you know you have to go sit and then they select they do the jury selection those 13 people were not for the death penalty because he did it so the judge basically was like okay you're not for the death penalty like you're off because basically they wanted to see him cry right right Um, so he didn't apparently with that kind of circumstance if they're opposed to it he needs to determine if they can put their own beliefs aside and follow the law, which is interesting because he never asked them. So this um, sentence was overturned unanimously last Monday. So the murder convictions were upheld. So that, that doesn't change. He's still staying in jail. He's not getting out. He has the first degree charge and the second degree charge. They they were hoping that they were going to, reverse the whole conviction and he was going to get to have a new trial which was not the case which was interesting i was kind of curious i was thinking that maybe that they were gonna do that and he was like we were gonna have a whole new trial of the century for scott peterson that would have been wild i'm not surprised that they didn't yeah though so now next step they're waiting for scott's Uh, They call it the petition for habeas corpus, which he brings new evidence to the jury to show that the conviction or the death sentence were wrong. So he's going to be bringing back to the jury, which will then, I believe, do a new sentence. Not that he can't get the death penalty again, but he gets to like the sentencing part of the trial basically gets to be redone from what I understand. Yeah, that's what I gathered as well. And it can, so it could go to two separate courts. It could go back to the court that he was convicted in, the county court, or 
it could be kept at the California Supreme Court. And there's no limit of time for when Scott can bring this. So, like, they can work on this for a bajillion years, basically. I, like I mean, they have, yeah, they have all the time in the world now. Yeah. So they can actually, Scott also can, or the Attorney General's Office of California, um, who obviously represented the state, they typically in any federal cases like that, um, they can petition the U.S. Supreme Court to review the, de- the decision. So basically, if you don't know how this goes, county court, state Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court. So either the state or Scott can request the U.S. Supreme Court to review the decision, and they only have 150 days to make that decision if they're going to do that or not. Um, usually it's only 90 days, but <laughs> COVID. Um, neither side right now has, as of two days ago when they this article was posted, said that they had decided yet if they were going to petition to the California Supreme Court um, or... They can retry the penalty phase of the trial. So for now, Scott basically is in jail for life without possibility of parole until, A, he either goes back to the penalty phase of his trial or petitions the U.S. Supreme Court to try and see if they'll overturn the California Supreme Court's decision. So... So he's not going anywhere. He's still in jail, but yes. that's where it's at right now. So, yeah. So that was fun that we got to do a little update right away on that one. Yeah. I mean, that we'll never happens. Our, I know. We're, we're <laughs> you guys are still waiting on the Maddie, Maddie McCann update that isn't coming. Oh, God. Yeah. Which, it was like we so much was happening and then yeah, just and, like nothing. That poor little girl. Yeah, you feel like there has to be something coming out about that soon. Like, they're building their case, basically. Oh, actually, I'm just looking at the very, very recent news. Oh, interesting. Uh, Christian, the guy that assaulted or is rumored to have taken Maddie McCann, uh, is linked to 25 burglaries in the resort where she vanished, is the most recent update. Most recent update as of yesterday. So they're working on it. Right. That's kind of what's coming out is just like one little piece here and there every few days. So let's just hope they get them. So we'll be back to you with the Maddie one eventually whenever they make a decision about that. But we we have another kind of recent high profile case this week. Yeah. (laughs) This one's a lady, lady killer. Wait, is that what they call them? No. A lady murderer. I think lady killer means something else. (laughs) Um, Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about Jodi Arias and the murder of Travis Alexander. Total freaking case. (laughs) Oh, she is cray cray. Like, as crazy as the day is long. Yeah. Seriously, she is nut job. But, so... We will take you back to the beginning of Travis and Jody's relationship. Um, so they met in September of 2006 at a PPL conference in Las Vegas, which is a company that Travis worked for as a salesman and a motivational speaker. 
Um, I'm not entirely sure what Jody was doing there. She was like a, an aspiring photographer. I think she was a waitress. Like she didn't really seem to have a career, but she was attending these conferences. conferences. Yeah. Trying to make a big break, whatever that may be. Right. So anyway, so he was 29 and she was 26 at the time. Um, so they met at this conference. Um, they hit it off right away. There was some fancy dinner one night, and so they went together. They ended up going back to one of their rooms together, spent the night together, and just, like, were basically head over heels right away. Which, interesting, Travis was a member of the LDS Church, which, um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if you're not aware, it's a big, big thing over um, on the West Coast, kind of more so, more like Utah, that area. Um, it's a, it's not Mormon, but it's similar, and some LDS people are Mormon, I believe. Yes, because I believe he was Mormon. I'm not entirely sure how that religion works. So interesting works, to me but. that they like went back to the room together, because typically with their culture, that's like very, um, they're very very conservative. Yeah, and that like, came into play later in their relationship with, like, his, because he was very serious about his faith, but basically premarital sex is, like, hugely forbidden in the Mormon mm-hmm. church or the LDS church and basically any church, but whatever. <laughs> right. But, um, and so, yeah, so Travis um, was Mormon, and also she had a boyfriend at the time, um, a long-term boyfriend, and they were living together, which she basically left him right away to be with Travis, and they started dating, and they dated on and off for about a year and a half. A lot of this time was a long-distance relationship, but they did all this fun stuff together. They traveled together. They visited each other. Um, they posted pictures all over social media. They emailed back and forth all the time. I mean, it was just, you know, like all over the place. Mm-hmm. But it was not a good relationship. It was, like, hugely full of drama. Um, they were always fighting. It was on again, off again. His friends hated her. They basically, they basically called her, called her evil, actually. She devil? Medusa? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they weren't a fan. I mean, I think a lot of people. Jody did convert to LDS for him. He actually baptized her into the LDS church, so. But this, I think, was just a a way for her to be like, oh, look at me. Like, I want to be with you. I'm going to do this because she was not. A godly woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at all. And she, yeah, and so she made Travis stray in his ways, too. And I think a lot of his friends were part of the church, and they could see that, you know, he was becoming somebody that he didn't want to be and whatever. Um, and so, yeah, so as the time went on, when they were together, she was super possessive, super jealous. She was like obsessed with him anytime they were together in front of friends. She was all over him, like kissing on him, touching him. They, one of his friends even said that she would follow him when he went to the bathroom somewhere (laughs) and she would wait outside and 
like listen to him. Like if he was having a conversation with somebody in there, um, she would go through his phone, his emails. She log into his social media accounts. I mean, just basically your definition of like a crazy, Mm -hmm. crazy girlfriend. Um, and actually this is really sadly foreshadowing, but one of his friends was quoted as saying to him, I'm afraid we're going to find you chopped up in her freezer. Ooh. Yeah. And another friend was like, yeah, we're afraid that someday she's going to burn your house down. Like they were honestly saying these things beforehand, before anything ever happened. Um, so their relationship was terrible and it was actually pretty fast and furious. Um, they broke up after only about five months of dating, but during this time she actually moved. She was living in California. He was in, um, Mesa. Uh, yeah. Mesa. Cause I think she moved to Mesa to be closer to him, even though they weren't even dating anymore. So yeah, that, yeah. So she moved, she moved to the same city that he was in, even though they were having like long distance relationship before that. Mm -hmm. Um, and during this time, um, so kind of typical of like on again, off again relationships. Sometimes she'd go over to his house and you know, they would hook up, they would get back together, but sometimes they, you know, she would sneak into his house either through his garage. She knew his garage code or sometimes she would go through his doggy door to get into his house. Like psycho stop it. I have never been that desperate to see a guy that I would go through his freaking doggy door. <laughs> no. <laughs> God. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So like half the time they would hook up half the time they would fight and it was just, you know, well, and guys sometimes low key like the crazy. Well, obviously. <laughs> Until she's sneaking in your doggy door, then it's not so cute. <laughs> then they're like, ah, the garage was okay. The doggy door, questionable. <laughs> um, so she ended up moving again back to California. And I guess Travis had told his friends, like, he was super relieved. I think he was just kind of ready to be done with the crazy. Like, it was fun while it lasted, whatever. Um, But they did still keep in touch and reportedly, like, had phone sex and things like that. So, obviously, like, there was something about their relationship that he just couldn't let go of. Yeah, couldn't get enough of. Yeah. Um, so then that brings us to May of 2008. Um, they had a huge fight. They, I don't really know that we know the details of this fight. We just know that it happened and that there was name calling and like this huge blowout. Um, and then in June of 2008, he, Travis was planning on going on a company trip to Mexico and I think originally Jody was supposed to accompany yes. him on this trip, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing because of the big fight that happened, um, he uninvited her or whatever. And then there was a new girl, Mimi, who Mimi. he Mimi, who he liked, and she was a Mormon as well. And so she was going to go on this trip with him too. 
or with him instead. And there was another family also going, um, that they had gone earlier. They were already there and they were, um, Mimi and Travis were planning on meeting them later. So during this time on June 2nd, between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m., Jody called Travis four separate times. Um, they have the phone records for this. There was no answer because each call was like a few seconds long. Yeah. But then at 3 a.m., he called her, and the first call lasted for 18 minutes, and then the second call lasted for 41 minutes. So they obviously were talking, but we don't know about what. And then that following morning, Jody rented a vehicle in California. She was planning to visit some friends in Southern California and then continue on her way to Utah for a work conference. So that brings us to June. Friends is kind of mind blowing to me (laughs) just because she's so crazy. But you know, the crazy girls, like they always have friends too, though. Like they always have a group of equally crazy girls. (laughs) Actually though, I don't know. I didn't find anything about her friends. Or they have like a lot of friends where they're like, oh yeah, she was nice. I was really friends with really good friends with her. And then she went crazy. Like a bunch of those friends, you know, Mm -hmm. that just kind of perpetually. Exactly. I can see, I can Mm -hmm. see where that was the case for her. So that brings us to June 3rd. Um, Late in the evening, she left for Salt Lake City, Utah. That's what we know about that day. June 4th, Travis missed a conference call that he was supposed to be on. And, you know, it was odd, whatever. Not like him, yeah. Yeah, not like him at all. June 5th, so we're kind of going back and forth between Jody and Travis here. But then June 5th, Jody attended some meetings that she was going to in Utah but people that saw her there um, noticed she had dyed her hair from blonde to brown, and she had a bunch of cuts on her hands. The following day, June 6th, Jody left Salt Lake City back to California. She left voicemails for Travis. She called him multiple times, but they also have records of her, like, her logging into his voicemail and listening to them herself. Um, June 7th, she returned the rental car. It was driven 2,800 miles and was missing the floor mats. And by the time... And there was, like, a red stain. Yeah. And we'll get back to the crime here. But before they were able to really, you know, check out the car a ton, the company had cleaned it you know, before the next person. So the police couldn't really get a ton of evidence from it. So during this time, and I'm not sure on the exact days, but sometime after, on or after June 4th, the people that were in Mexico that were going to meet with, meet up with Travis and Mimi were contacting him, you know, just kind of being like staying in touch. Yeah. And they couldn't get a hold of him. They were you know, pretty worried about this. And then coupled with the fact that he missed that call on June 4th. Mm -hmm. Um, It is now June 9th and 
finally people are starting to kind of put this together because, you know, he was out of town. So people didn't really think too much of it that they didn't see him. But, you know, putting all this together and he was supposed to be going to Mexico and it had been a few days since anybody had heard from him. So um, Mimi and some other friends went to Travis's house. They entered the house um, and they immediately saw large pools of blood in the hallway to the master bathroom. And then they went into the master bath and found his body in the shower. Yeah, I just uh, discovered photos of that on the internet. Yes, I found those too. And I was like, why am I looking at these? But I did. And then the autopsy photos. Yes. Who puts this on the internet? I'm not going to be able to unsee that. Oh, no, no, no. They're burned in my brain. Awful. Like, I don't think I, like, as much as I like talking about this stuff, I don't know that I could really do a job as, like, a coroner or a medical examiner or a detective. (laughs) So he had been stabbed almost 30 times. His throat was completely slit open and he was shot in the head. So the friends called 911 right away, obviously. And one of the questions that the 911 operator asked was, you know, was he suicidal? Which I don't know if they like didn't describe <laughs> the wounds because I don't know that that would lead to suicide. But whatever, maybe it's a question they have to ask. Um, or if anybody, if they knew of anybody that wanted to hurt him, and they all immediately were like, yeah, you got to look into his ex girlfriend Jody. Which is, like, very telling. (laughs) Um, Looking at the autopsy photos of his neck, there is no way he did that to himself. No. I'm assuming when they called, they were just like, there's blood everywhere, my friend is dead. Like, they probably, you know, weren't. I mean, I don't know that I would have stayed and looked too much longer. I know, this poor guy. And he's, like, the sweetest-looking guy. Like, if you look at his pictures, he just looks, like, so nice and got stuck with the crazy. I know. So they came and did a search of the house. Um, They found a digital camera in the washing machine, and it was obviously damaged, but they were able to recover the photos on it, which those photos are on that website too. Did you see those mm-hmm. or no? Or maybe that was a different website. I can't remember, but yeah, I saw the a photo. No. Yep. Yeah. I saw those. I mean, how like the very last moments of this guy's life were caught on camera. Yeah. Ooh. So there was a bunch of images um, and starting at one, they were timestamped. So starting at one forty on June 4th, they were pictures of him in, quote, sexually suggestive poses of him in the shower. And the last picture of him alive was at 5.29 p.m. And then just the next photos right after were of him murdered. Yeah. Like on the floor. And along with the photos, they found a bloody palm print on the wall. 
There was also a handprint at the scene, um, which they, when they took it to do all the forensic stuff on it, it matched, it had partial matches for both, um, Jody and, um, I keep wanting to call him Alexander, but that's his last name for Jody and for Travis. Uh, so they knew that Jody likely had had something to do with it, but they couldn't really prove it initially. Um, she was a suspect pretty much right from the beginning. There was friends that said, um, you might want to look at. <laughs> yeah. Cause she was like stalking him. I mean, obviously she's breaking into his doggy door and also she had slashed his tires at one point too. So she was, yeah, and was using all of his social media. <sighs> oh, yikes. Like what? Like, um, so they were able to build a case against Jody pretty easily once they were starting to put all of this stuff together. Uh, July 9th, 2008, Jody was indicted in Arizona for the first degree murder of Travis. Um, she was living in California at the time. So they picked her up, arrested her, and then she was transferred to Arizona yeah, she was indicted in July, but they didn't take her extradite. Like, they didn't extradite her back to Arizona until September. So, did she just get to, like, go free for two months? We I don't I, know. I, guess, I was but. wondering what the gap was yeah, there. I didn't put that together until right now when I'm looking at my unless, bullet. I'm like, well, unless they probably, because they arrested her, they probably held her in California. Probably. And then they yeah. just had to, I'm sure there's paperwork or whatever to get her. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, Jody pleaded not guilty the whole time that they were waiting to go through this trial. She continually kept changing her story. She at one time told the cops that she had not been in Arizona at the time of the murder. Um, she hadn't seen Travis since March. Um, <laughs> she then told the cops later that two people had broken into his house, murdered Travis and had hurt her. And then finally, two years after she was arrested, she kind of switched the story that she sticks with now, which is that she killed Travis in self-defense and that he had been abusing her all along. <laughs> which, like, okay, lady. Yeah. Before trial even began, they <laughs> did an IQ and competence, competency test on Jody, which... I mean, if you see the way that she's been acting, it kind of makes sense. Um, but she was found to be competent for trial, and they proceeded. The trial didn't begin until December of 2012. This whole thing took forever, forever. I feel like. Especially yeah. when they had, it seemed really cut and dried. Like, it's not... Yes. There was no other suspects. So from the very beginning, the prosecutor was going for the death penalty. Like he was not messing around in his opening arguments. He even talked about the death penalty. So he wasn't like, oh, let's get her convicted and then go from there. Like, no, they were going for it right away. Um, Jody was represented by appointed counsel. So that's interesting. Like she couldn't even afford or the, they couldn't get her a real, you know, like, Trial. I mean, yes, they're trial attorneys, but you know, they couldn't afford to hire her. They didn't hire one. They yeah. She just got what she was given. Yep. So there was a gentleman that Jody visited in Utah, and he said that they had spent time together 
um, romantically. I don't know how far that romantic (laughs) stuff went. That's not my business. But um, (laughs) he noticed that she had scratches and bruises on her hands. And she told him that she had cut her hands working at a restaurant. So that's interesting. Um, she then later said that she cut her finger making a bazillion margaritas. <laughs> okay. Like the worst part about her though is she thinks that she's believable. Like yeah. right away she was like, I'm innocent and nobody is going to think I'm guilty. Yeah. No, you're freaking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the interesting thing is, is that when Jody was living with her grandparents in California, the home was, her grandparents' home was robbed and there was a gun stolen, a 24 caliber gun. Interestingly enough, when Travis's body was found, there was a 25 caliber bullet found next to his body. Mm-hmm. That matched the gun. They can't say the exact gun, of course, but that no, but was, was the same I mean, type of gun as that had been stolen, supposedly stolen in a burglary from Jody's grandparents' home the week before. Oh yeah, good, good staging of that burglary, Jody. Like you could have given it some time. <laughs> um, so apparently, right before Travis was killed. He was telling people that he thought Jody was a sociopath. He was scared of her. The worst thing that ever happened to him. So I, I think kind of at the end that was what was happening is he kind of realized, like, holy, this girl's no joke. Like, yeah. she's not a little crazy. She's full on. So while they were at trial, she actually, Jody actually took the stand, which is always an interesting it's always the it's always the crazy ones that do that too like um (laughs) so she said that she had been abused by her parents most of her life she said that during the time um that she was dating travis that they had both oral and anal sex (laughs) great we didn't need to know that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but but they the reason why they were doing that is because um, Travis said that it was not against Mormon rules to have anal and oral sex. Just you just couldn't have vaginal intercourse, is what. Mm, I don't think I don't that's a I need to explain this to you, but whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> they eventually decided to just like do the real thing, but didn't do it very often. Um, well then, <laughs> they actually no played one of their phone sex videos or phone sex like recordings <laughs> and <laughs> where do I find this on the internet <laughs> I can't even keep a straight face <clears throat> and Travis said that he wanted to zip tie her to a tree and have anal sex with her while she was dressed as little red riding hood <laughs> I don't I don't want to know I know but inner it's fantasies like, but what oh god Pro tip, don't record your phone sex. (laughs) Jody Jody also said that Travis had found young boys and girls attractive and that she was trying to help him with these urges. Oh, for God's sake. Like, she's just literally spewing out the mouth. She just can't control 
No. Yeah. And she did. She had like this whole sob story. Like it's funny because they made her persona at trial, just like this completely conservative, you know, abused, sweet little girl. But you can't hide the crazy. We see it. No. We see it coming through. They said that Travis was physically abusing her. Um, He had kicked her in the ribs, pushed her, cussed at her, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, I just have to say, like, domestic violence is no joke, but yeah, that that almost 100% was not the case. Yeah. yeah. I just don't, the evidence just doesn't really, no. Maybe she was abused as a kid. I don't know. I can't speak to that, obviously. But right. there was a psychologist that... Um, testified for the prosecution and she said that she could find no reason or no um, evidence that Travis had ever abused Jody. Um, so Jody also kind of would randomly claim memory loss too. Like, Oh, I have amnesia. I don't remember. Well, not handy. Yeah. But this uh, psychologist did say that, Jody suffered from bio, or borderline personality disorder. So, I mean, that seems to make some sense, but I guess I'm also not a psychologist, so I can't speak to it. So then, fast forward to May 7th, 2013. They had been in um, trial on this for, like, the better part of a year at this point. Um the jury was out deliberating for 15 hours, came back, and Jody was convicted of first-degree murder. Interestingly enough, five jurors said that she was guilty of premeditated murder, and seven jurors found her guilty of both first-degree premeditated murder and felony murder, which I don't know what the difference is in that, I guess. It doesn't really matter, because if you're convicted of first-degree premeditated murder, it's not. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, so they moved fairly quickly, I think like a week or so later, to the penalty phase of the case, where, of course, they're going to deal with sentencing. Um, a lot of Travis's family spoke at the sentencing. Uh, Jody actually spoke as well at her sentencing and basically begged for... Um, her life and said that she would gladly take a life sentence, but she, (laughs) she had actually before mentioned that she would prefer the death penalty prior to this to a TV reporter. But now she's like, Oh, please spare me. Like give me life in prison. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you kind of kicked yourself in the butt. by first telling someone you want to go to death sentence and Mm -hmm. then they ended up having a hung jury for the death sentence uh it was eight to four which it's not with the death sentence it can't be a majority thing it's um just doesn't it has to be i believe unanimous i i think i'm pretty sure yeah So they basically agreed at that point that they weren't going to go back to do another sentencing. Um, They would go instead go and decide mutually between the victim's family and the prosecution and Jody's family or 
family, sorry, legal counsel just decided that they were going to do a life sentence with no possibility of parole because um, Jody said, quote, I don't think there is an untainted jury pool anywhere in the world right now. That's what it feels like. But I believe in the system to a degree. So we'll just go through with that if that happens. <laughs> she was right. Like there wasn't a person in the world that hadn't heard about this, right? No. And I think everybody is like 100% on the same page on this one. Yeah. So yeah. Jody is still sitting on her booty, serving her time. Fun Crazy fact, as ever. <laughs> Crazy does not stop. Once she's in prison. No. I didn't find a lot about, like, her life after prison, but I did read this somewhere. She won an American Idol-style talent show Ooh. that was put on, yes, by Sheriff Joe Arpaio. I am not familiar with him, but the way that the article sounded... Um, he, they call him America's toughest sheriff. So I don't know. Apparently he has a reputation, but he put on this talent show for the prison inmates so that they could win a fancy turkey dinner for oh, themselves. Wow. In and she sang a rendition of a holy night. I want to say it's on the internet. There's a video of it. Is I it watched it? it. She like, she's okay. I mean, She's got, like, a decent voice, but it's just weird because you're like, look at this murderer singing her Christmas song. Like, what are you doing here? Oh, boy. I just, yeah, thought that was pretty funny. Um, She is still kind of going through appeals and, the crazy, like Amber said, the crazy hasn't stopped. So, I believe the last, yeah, so the last update on her appeals was in October of 19. They... <laughs> think that her con- her sentence should be overturned because um, the prosecutor acted inappropriately during the trial. So. Oh, okay, then. There's always some reason, but. Yeah, and actually, she- Jody did end up going through a retrial in 2014. So they found, she was found guilty, did not get the death penalty, blah, blah. Yeah, as we know. Like same, yeah, same story. I mean, it's yeah. not going to change. You are a crazy ex-girlfriend. Murdered your oh. boyfriend. And by the time that her trials, like her trial and retrial was all done with, um, her trials costed the legal system approximately $3 million. So that's I fun. can't even. Yeah. Wow. And there's a bunch of pages out on the internet, too, of her journals and stuff. Oof. You very clearly murdered this guy. And then she's like, I still just can't believe he's gone. Like, you killed him. So, like, you wonder if she honestly really... I don't know. Do you think... I don't know. I think she just really is a terrible person. She probably wrote those journals so that... If they look back or on it, she they, has like literally multiple personalities, right? Like where she literally, honestly, just snaps and then doesn't know exactly what's going on. But I think she knows what's going on. I think she does too. That's kind of my thought is, especially with the whole changing her story thing, changing her story a bunch of times, wait. trying to make herself like, okay, wait, which story will make the most make me look the best or whatever? Yeah, one hundred percent, and like. 
ridiculous stuff. Uh, she just doesn't make any sense. She's totally changing her story all the time. But yeah, so that's what we got for you today. Another kind of cut and dried one. We thought we owed you after doing a whole slew of unsolved there a while back. Yeah. And we owed you a couple mainstream ones after going kind of obscure for a little while there. So heck yeah. Next but, week though we have something fun. Yeah. So we're we're celebrating our one year podcast anniversary. Yes. Actually, I hate when people say stuff like that. We're celebrating our one year anniversary of podcasting. <laughs> I'm flies and you're having fun. We're or super when you're in the middle of a global it. pandemic for half the year, but whatever. <laughs> but hey, you still get us yes. via Skype. <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned. Yeah, we'll have something. We have something exciting coming for that that we're working on here. So till then. Yeah, stay safe and lock, lock your freaking, freaking doors. doors. Bye. Bye.